2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the PackerNet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Tripp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that app. Well, at the very least, today we are going to start off talking about Aaron Rodgers. Because not only do I tend to talk about the biggest stories uh, in the NFL and the biggest stories facing the Green Bay Packers on this podcast, But I also comment on what people are commenting on, and those two things happen to intersect once again on Aaron Rodgers. It was not my plan today, but uh, several things have come up, have several new thoughts and new insights, and so that's what we're doing. I don't know if that'll spill over into segment two. We'll just see how this all goes. But it's also going to be a heavy dose of me playing audio from other things. And that's all I know. So um, thanks for joining me. Welcome to the show. Also, before we get started... And I understand this probably has a lot to do with Aaron Rodgers and I should be thanking him, but I'm not going to. I'm going to thank you guys instead. So I've recently gone back and tracked every single, how many downloads I've gotten every single month since I switched over to this host, which was like 2018 January or 2019 January, whatever, doesn't matter. And you start to learn the trends, right? Um, The ebbs and flows. You know, May, June, July are horrible. August, it starts to pick back up. And then January, assuming the Packers are in the playoffs, there's an explosion. Every month so far this year has beat the previous month in 2020. May not only beat last year's May. May was one of the highest months in Packernet history, which is super weird because nothing is going on in May. The draft was in April the playoffs were in january um but it's been a very good month thank you in part to mr jj for filling in when i take days off which is something i plan on doing from now on finding guest people to fill in i don't want any more days off packer night podcast every single day which also means i should probably find um other alternates just on the off chance jj's you know decided he's too big for uh for doing this puny little show or whatever because he's off doing big boy things Just got got a plan, but uh, thank you to JJ, but especially thank you to all of you for continuing to tune in. I'm fully expecting that big drop-off, but it has not come. I thought maybe after Memorial Day, everybody take their vacation, and they'd be like, ah, you know what, I'm just going to enjoy summer. It's a beautiful day today. And um, everybody got done with their vacation yesterday, came back today, and the numbers are back up really, really bigly, I think is a word. Somebody told me that once, I don't know. For the record, I thought he said big league. I thought for years that's what he said. I'm like, why does everybody laugh at the fact that he says big league? And they're like, no, it's bigly. I'm like it's bigly. What? You, what is bigly? I know that's the point. I'm like, oh, that's weird. Now I'm gonna start saying it. I guess I don't know. But anyways, thank you all very, very much for your support. I want to start. Where do I want to start? Let's start. Hmm. I had two people send me clips within the last hour before I went to uh, to the program, and I think that's what we're gonna start with. That always happens, by the way. Whenever somebody sends me something at 7.30, it makes it on the show. I don't know why that is. Probably because it's top of my mind, but whatever. So this is five and a half minutes, and I think I'm just going to play the whole thing. It seems weird. I should cut it up, but there's nothing to cut up. It's just a big long thing. Um, this is. Th- it's basically the newest information. Now, I don't really think anything new is happening here, but um, JJ sent it to me. He seems to think there's a different tone here, so I want to play it Go through it. I only went through it once. Again, he just sent it to me about an hour ago, maybe. So maybe I'll hear something different on the second run. But let's just listen to it. Because, again, this is Rich Eisen talking to Ian Rappaport, giving insights as to what he knows, where he thinks things are at, as far as the Green Bay Packer um, conversation with Aaron Rodgers. So, again, it's going to be a little bit of a long one, but buckle up, and uh, here we go. Status of Aaron Rodgers
4: in the Packers now that we're we're post-June 1, later on today and something is potentially more likely than it would have been just yesterday even though it seems like uh the packers are have no intention of of moving this guy so what do you got for me yeah on that i would
0: agree no no intention of moving him i haven't checked the instagram account of the actress whose name i forget that he's vacationing with yes Um, it's
4: miles teller's wife is what you're referring to right there okay
0: so i had not i don't i don't know what I'm sure she's very good. I just don't know what show she's in. I had not heard of her before she started posting about Aaron Rodgers. Um, but I haven't checked her Instagram account recently to know if he's still in Hawaii. Um, I don't get the sense that much has changed at all. And that's another one where, like, there's not much incentive to do anything right now. Like, yes, the Packers, and, you know, they've been trying to get a deal done. I know they would really, really, really like to get a an extension done that makes him happy to kind of end this issue. I just don't know that anything happens soon like is you know the deadline for mandatory minicamp is that a real deadline like I don't know so, you know, I'm so sort of,
4: let me let me pause you right there then you know, Ian. okay let's, sure. let's stop right there so you know the Packers want him to sign a contract that will make him happy correct that's what you're yes. saying so then why wouldn't Aaron yes. Rodgers want to sign a contract that would make him happy is it simply because that contract should have been offered to him the minute they lost the NFC championship game and he was wondering about his future and it did not come because of whatever reasoning that caused him to um, feel the way that he that has been reported for him to feel and that he confirmed with Kenny Main uh, one week ago last night. I mean, is that what it is it's that 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 he wanted it when he wanted it and it didn't come and he's pissed and he's now going to make him wait? Is that basically a way to look at this
0: right now? I sort of I sort of think about it like I do with a lot of contract negotiations. And, you know, this is not the first negotiation to get personal and heated, I would say. Sideways. Um, yeah. I don't know that he hasn't – I don't know that he's not signing it. I just know that he hasn't agreed to it yet. Like maybe they haven't done a deal that's good enough. You know, I, I mean that's – I see this all as a – you know, there's, there's plenty of other parts of it. But I see it in part as a negotiation – so the fact that he hasn't accepted a deal just means the offer isn't good enough yet, or he's not ready to accept what is, what is their current offer. You know, So they, they can make this work financially, they can make this work contractually, they can make it so he has enough guaranteed money, so he's not worried about Jordan Love supplanting him ever, so he can retire on his own terms. I mean, these are the sorts of things he wants. Right. I, just, I just don't know that they're there yet. And that was interesting to me in the Kenny Maine interview, was he didn't close the door on anything?
4: No, I mean he kicked the can down the road. The way that I termed it is, he turned up the heat on Goudaquins. Like he, he is. I don't think that this uh, goose, if you will, being Goudaquins, is remotely cooked enough for Rogers. I mean. We're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get that goose cooked even more when he's out there golfing with the scientist, as Tom Brady's Instagram account referred to, Bryson DeChambeau. That would like, be great. I mean, July sixth is going to be a date where you know Brady and Phil will get in Aaron's face and have fun and with, with his situation, and he'll make a couple comments that'll be caught on a hot mic that works. Because I mean, that that's just going to turn that thing up to spinal tap eleven, as far as I'm concerned, because that's going to be right. A couple of weeks before training camp hits, and we're going to be w- wondering if he's going to show up. So that's my question for you: Is if Green, if if you're wondering if the, the terms are not well, uh, uh, um, you know, to Rogers' satisfaction, then Green Bay desire to get him signed long term or to a contract that it makes him satisfied. You know, the only way that that does that is to make Jordan Love inoperable as his successor in the first year first iteration of his professional contract basically blowing up the clock in the manner that he said he threw a wrench into it with an mvp season yeah. you know I, I think that this is the rational conversation to be had right now is to
0: try and read some tea leaves here ian i mean i don't think that's i don't think any of that is wrong um because that's sort of i think what he wants and look Rogers blew up the, the the sort of time situation anyway yeah kind of like Tom Brady did like I'm sure the Patriots would have loved to have a succession plan of Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo sorry Brady screwed all that up Um, and Rogers screwed it up too because he probably had his best season you know maybe except for the Super Bowl year like he was he was awesome last year and the previous year he had not been as good and he was like yeah maybe you don't and now they have to recalibrate which to me is all okay but again like you got to you know, if you're the Packers and you want this thing done, like you got to prove it contractually. Probably, like you said, making sure that Jordan Love is not an issue for Rodgers moving forward through his current contract or something like
2: that. So here's my thought on that whole thing. First of all, I don't, I don't think we necessarily learned anything there, but when it comes to guys like Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter, I think of them sort of as magicians. And I think sometimes... People think that what they do is real magic. If you think about what a magician does, a magician is really impressive when they dictate the terms, right? They can prove to you they do magic by showing you something specifically that they want to show you. Magicians are far less impressive when you give them something that they need to do magically. Maybe they can do it if it's a sleight of hand thing like make this pencil disappear. But if you point to something on the other end of the room and say, make that levitate, suddenly they're not going to be very impressive. That's what I get from guys like Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter when they're asked to be on shows like this. When guys like um, Rich Eisen ask them to come on the show, they ask them to do magic tricks that they can't do. In other words, they're asking Ian Rappaport to give them a scoop on something that they don't have. How do I know they don't have it? Because they didn't scoop it. Now, I know technically they, they did hold on to the Aaron Rodgers thing for whatever reason and then decided to drop it on draft day. But we, you see this all the time, right? What they get is a collection. They, they're insiders, so they do have a lot of real good information. Guys, not everybody. A lot of these guys are phonies and whatever, but Ian has built a, a massive network of contacts. He's done a fantastic job of building relationships. And so if, if there's information to be got, um, he's probably the first one to get it. But if there's no information to be got, all you're going to get is him guessing, which is no different than me or you guessing. And I think a lot of that is what we heard just now. So we can try to read into it. But what exactly did he say? First thing he said is, I don't think anything changed. Right. And then I thought a very good question by Rich Eisen was posed. Um, Excuse me. If if the Packers are offering Rodgers what he wants, why wouldn't Rodgers accept it? And, and what you get from Ian is a whole lot of, yeah, I think maybe like you know maybe something like this is happening, or it could be something like this, or may-. it's all just kind of speculation. The bottom line is, I don't think Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter know anything more than we do at this point. They were getting information, they were getting little tidbits, they were getting this, that, or the other about Aaron Rodgers not being happy, and um, they found out about it and exploded, and it was a big, cool thing. At this point, I think they got nothing right? I'm sure they can talk to some people to try to gauge hot or cold or this or that, but again, they're not saying it. Point is, he doesn't know. He's on here because he's an insider. Rich Eisen wants to get the scoop. There's no scoop. And so, at least from what I can tell, this is entirely speculation. I think maybe this happens. I think maybe something like this, or um, it seems like he, you know, they said they left the door open on that uh, Kenny Main show. I didn't interpret it that way. Not that he closed the door on the Kenny Main show, but I don't think very many people got the impression um, that he was happy with the team or was on his way back after watching that interview. I think one of the most disheartening aspects of it is the fact that he did voice his displeasure and it had nothing to do with money, which is what we've heard all along. This has got nothing to do, aside from guys like, uh, who was it, Jennings or something? Some of the guys who try to downplay it are like, oh yeah, it's just a simple money thing. As soon as they get the numbers right, it'll be fine. Doesn't sound that way coming from Rodgers. Doesn't sound that way coming really from anybody. Sounds like Rodgers is unhappy with the organization. And again, I don't know how you fix that. So this interview is there. I wanted to play it for you. You draw your own conclusions. It sounds to me, again, like the magician thing. There's no magic right here, right? They're asking him to levitate something across the room and he can't do it. He's, he's not, I'm not saying he's not a smart guy and can't give a, an informed opinion. Of course he can. But I don't think anything he said should be taken as an inside scoop. It's his perspective. And maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe he has a better insight into some of these things. For example, his optimism in general and the fact that he believes it is just a numbers issue. And that, you know, I mean, the way he portrayed it is they're kind of close on, on, on a numbers thing. And as soon as the Packers get the numbers right, Rogers will be like, all right, sounds good, and sign it, and we'll be good. That's his perspective. But again, I don't think that's within his wheelhouse. I don't think that's a scoop. I think that's his opinion. Because, again, I think all the big scoop got blown up, and now we're all just kind of waiting in the wings. No question, he's digging. He's making calls. He's trying to get information. But I think they're all, everybody's getting stonewalled, which is why things are just kind of running around. We're all chasing our tail, coming up with new and better and more interesting theories on what's going on and what we think and you know, whatever, but I I really don't think a single thing has changed. Rodgers has gone completely dark. He's not talking to anyone. He's not talking about anyone. He's maybe having a couple conversations with the Packers, and it doesn't sound like those are getting anywhere. If there's any movement in any direction, it's it's staying very under the table because we've heard nothing, not a single thing. But uh, anyways, I want to move on to our second clip here, kind of changing gears a little bit, and I'm not sure exactly the right order to go in, but it all kind of vaguely ties together. I'm going to try to try to pull it all together. But um I, I just unless a deal gets done, I'm 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 cementing even more my opinion that he's just not going to play. Right? In other words, my my thought is either he comes back or he sits. I don't think a trade is happening. At least not anytime soon. And I think that for several reasons, but and, and this is a s- almost eight-minute clip. I'm not going to play the whole thing. I'm just going to play one person's perspective because it kind of just kicks this whole thing off for the record it was JJ that sent me the first one Marillo sent me this one right here so thank you gentlemen for uh, for the content and for the insights uh, but I want to play this for you real quick and then I want to continue on with a little bit more of where my thought process is heading with this Aaron Rodgers thing and why
3: you know I had one GM share with me not even in the division that He thought that the Green Bay Packers have a lot more leverage than what we've been discussing here on the show, saying, look, either way, Green Bay is probably not getting their MVP quarterback back, right? Because two things are going to happen. He's either going to get traded, right? They don't get him, and who knows what kind of deal they'll be able to get for him right now, or next season, they just sit back. They let Jordan Love go out there, run the offense, and Aaron Rodgers sits out, has to lose all that money. And perhaps they can use that time to strike a, a much more lucrative deal and do more work on those future draft picks that would be part of the trade package. So the thought there is is just maybe, while we're, a lot of people are siding with Aaron Rodgers here, the Green Bay Packers can sit here and just go, you know, we're, we're, we're going to sit back here and just try to see what's best for this organization in general.
2: So I've had a couple um, instances where I've mentioned my biggest fear is not getting the compensation. And so if it were me, I would just instantly trade him. But I'm, I'm starting to come around to the idea of what the Packers are doing here, which may be nothing more than just I can't wrap my head around trading him, and I don't want to be a GM that traded our MVP, so I'm just not going to be that guy because I don't have to. But there's kind of a lot of things at play here that kind of make sense, one of them being what um, was said here by Diana, that she apparently was told by another GM, which notice how, again, different... People give you different perspectives based on where they think things are at. Nobody knows, but apparently this GM's perspective is they're not getting Rodgers back. So <laughs> it just depends where you're coming from. But from this perspective, it makes a lot of sense. The Packers do essentially have all the leverage. You know how much Aaron Rodgers is about to be damaged by this? It's not just a matter of he's, he's going to have to pay back all this money. The Packers own his rights for many, many, many years. If his plan is, I'm going to force my way off this team and go make a legacy somewhere else, if he's going to be the next Tom Brady, he's going to make a boatload of money, he's going to go build this super team somewhere else, he's going to do all these things and it's going to be great, the Packers can squash that because they don't have to trade him until basically he's untradeable. The man's going to be 40 years old. How much, and that's the other thing, how much money is he going to get? So there's two things at play here. There's really three things, but let's just take it to the far extreme and say the Packers are going to make him ride the bench for the remainder of his contract. It's very unlikely, but let's just play with that. They're not going to have much by way of, of uh, well, I guess if they let the contract run entirely out, they have nothing by way of contract. So we'll leave that alone. I mean, by way of a trade. But Rodgers loses two things. A contract is only two things. The amount of money. And the term of money, which comes down to total amount, but you know, if, if it's 30 million, that's great. If it's 30 million over five years, that's better. Aaron Rodgers has a finite amount of years to play football. If he has, let's say, five years left, he can only make money in those five years. If he gets traded today, he gets traded, he gets to go wherever, do whatever he wants to do, whatever, his whole thing. But but as far as a contract, he's going to make an insane amount of money because he has the league MVP. And he has five years left on his contract, which I don't mean, I don't know if he's actually going to get that, but he has five years left of, of his playing career of that he can earn money. If the Packers make him sit one more year, he loses both of those things drastically. He's no longer the league MVP. Now, you could say, well, he still, he still won it the last time he played. Yeah, but I don't know that that's really necessarily going to hold up all that well. Because now you're talking about an older guy that's got a full year of rust on him. That was an MVP once in the last, you know, 10 years, well, maybe more than that, I don't know. But but th- 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 in other words, teams are going to be less willing to pay him, partially because he's a, a, another year older. They don't exactly know what he can do. But he also lost a year of money. So let's say, instead of 30 over 5, now we're talking 27 over 4. And actually, those numbers are ridiculous. It would be more like 45 over 5, compared to, let's say, I don't know, 38 over 4. He goes from $225 million Let's just drop it to 40, to 160. It's that extra year that's actually more impactful than the actual dollar amount, but the dollar amount also goes down over a shorter period of time. He's losing massive amounts of money. Forget, forget the money he has to pay back to the Packers. He might have just lost $65 million. If you know, I just made up those numbers, but that could be like upwards of $65 million he just lost. And you know what? The Packers can sit there and say, so you're going to play this year? And he says, no. It's like, all right, I guess you're losing another one. By the time he gets a new job, he's playing for $30 bucks on a, on a two-year contract. Here's the other end of it. Let's say it doesn't go out infinitely. The damage done to the Packers in terms of trade value is not as, as drastic as the damage done to Aaron Rodgers by sitting out. Because maybe the Packers get slightly less compensation. But they're still going to get massive compensation. And even though Aaron Rodgers is still going to get paid a bunch of money again, it's that year that they lost. Packers don't care about a year. It doesn't change anything. If they get three first round picks and two second round picks in 2021, 2022, or 2023, it really doesn't make a difference. I mean, it would be preferable if it's a little earlier, but they're still getting the picks. Aaron Rodgers, though, is getting nothing. He's losing big time every year. And so, yeah, maybe maybe we'll shave off a couple players if it makes it to, you know, instead of doing it in 2021, we do it in 2022, and if it goes to 2023, maybe it's three firsts and that's it. Oh, shucks. <laughs> Compared to Aaron Rodgers having like three years left to, to play and for a lot less money because the guy's been sitting around doing who knows what, doing juice cleanses. Now he's down to 145 pounds, hasn't played in three years. Packers have a lot of leverage here. What they need is patience. Now, again, this isn't about necessarily what I like. I would like either Rogers to come back or to get it all now because I'm greedy and I want it now and I want something, uh, you know, fantastic. But the fact of the matter is they certainly don't have to, and they they can apply the screws to Rogers. And I think part of it may actually be sending a message, and, and I'm going to get to that in just a minute, but there may be an element of sending a message Partially to Aaron Rodgers for saying you think you're going to mess with us, we'll show you. But partially to the rest of the team as well as the rest of the NFL. There was an uh, article done, I think it was Good Morning in a Football or something, I cannot remember. What the heck is it? I didn't leave a link to it for some reason. I got a bunch of different comments here from that article. Anyways, it's, it's a very good ESPN article weekly, I don't know. But here, here's a little tidbit that he wrote in there, a little blurb. In the past 15 months, we've seen Tom Brady, granted as a free agent, press to leave New England, Carson Wentz force his way out of Philadelphia, Matt Matt Stafford politely but firmly say he wanted out of Detroit, Deshaun Watson demand a trade from Houston, Russell Wilson push back at the Seattle status quo, and Aaron Rodgers passive-aggressively try to shoot his way out of Green Bay. There seems to be a power dynamic shift, or at least an attempt at a power dynamic shift from the teams to the players, in which the players just have to say, I want out, and they get traded. Think about what the precedent would set, not just for the NFL, but think about the Green Bay Packers. Imagine if you go to all this trouble and you build a great football team and you've got some of the best players in football and literally all it takes to lose your guy is for him to come in and say, I don't think I want to play here anymore. That's all you have to do, and they'll ship you off somewhere else. No, 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 we want you nope, I refuse, I will not play. So you might as well just trade me. Well, I guess we got no choice, all oh, shucks. You can't set that precedent. Then what's going to stop, and I'm not saying Devontae wants to leave, but if he wanted to, what would stop Devante from just walking into Gutekunst's office and saying, I refuse to play? It's the exact same thing. I just refuse. Well, we can't pay to just let him ride the bench, and we got to get compensation, and, you know, we'll get several first-round picks for Devontae, or at least a first and something else we got to get that compensation, and and Devontae, and Kenny, and whoever else decides they don't want to be here anymore. And I'm not saying it necessarily has to be that way, but you cannot allow that precedent to be set to where anybody, including the best player in all of football, can simply walk into your office and say, I'm leaving now, I want you to trade me, and you you just say, okay. There has to be pushback by the nfl as a whole and i'm sh- i would be shocked if if uh there wasn't some pressure from above to say you better nip this in the bud right now all you guys better start saying no to these players because they're starting to be emboldened they believe that all they have to do is walk in and say i refuse to play here i hate it here i hate all of you trade me and they say okay and again i i, I hadn't thought of it before but you cannot allow that to be a precedent i don't feel like playing oh that sucks because you signed a contract i'll see you on sunday nope no okay well all that money that you signed and think about this from aaron rodgers we always talk about he's made so much money it's it's chump change he's only signed a handful of contracts one of which was a very big one right in in today's dollars and he's about to give a lot of that back and not be playing anywhere else he's done His career is over. He has to pay back the remainder of the money that he was going to make. He's going to lose out on the remainder of the money that he was going to make. And he's going to lose out on a ton of money that he would have made in the future had he just played a little, continued to play well. The Packers would have, the Packers right now would offer him a contract. They'd offer him an extension, whatever. He's just refusing. He's going to lose all of that. This is a massive, massive, massive amount of money he's going to be losing out on. Money that he has been paid, money that he's going to get paid, and money that would be paid beyond that. Because eventually, either the Packers pay to keep you, or the Packers let you go or trade you, whether that's next year or the year after, and you make tons of money. At this rate, they can sit you on the bench and say, you just killed your own career, bud. You have to pay back a ton of money that we gave you. You're going to make no more of the money that you would have earned. And your, your prospect of going on to, to bigger and better things in the future, and look, maybe he can play till he's 45, he's got five more years in him, but it's not super likely, especially super likely, that he comes in and is just a dominant quarterback. And even if he is, he still loses out on all that money. It's not a great situation for the Packers to be in, but they can't allow themselves to be pushed around. They cannot let the most important player on their team get traded simply because he says, no, I want to be traded. Too bad. You're not getting traded. I'm not doing that. Because again, it's bigger than just Rodgers. You're setting a precedent that you may have to, that, that, that'll send shockwaves. If Rodgers can do it, anybody can do it. It's going to send shockwaves throughout the NFL, and it's going to have ripple effects where this becomes a trend. It used to be a thing in, in Green Bay and everywhere else where if you can draft well and develop well, you're going to have a great team. Now that's not necessarily the case. Now you've got to draft well, develop well, and hope that the, that's your star player doesn't walk in one day and say, I think I'd like to be traded, thanks, bye, and then you have to trade them. You cannot allow that precedent to be set. You come here, you agree to a contract, you will honor the contract, and that's the end of it. Well, why shouldn't the team have to honor it? They do honor it. They honor every single aspect of it. Well, sometimes they trade them early. Oh, well, that's baked into the contract. Everything that's guaranteed to you, you will be paid. The contract is what it is. Nobody gets around the contract that is a legal document. If you choose to do something, you know, that's maybe not according to plan, then there's going to be consequences. That's what dead money is for teams. You don't honor the contract, you get punished. There are consequences for that, and teams have to pay those consequences. If Aaron Rodgers decides not to show up, there are consequences, and he's going to have to pay those consequences, i.e., you get nothing. Both parties have to honor the contract in its entirety. Just because they bake in a bunch of fake numbers like, oh, you're gonna make a hundred million dollars and really they only make 70. That doesn't mean they didn't honor the contract. It just means that we read all the fluff numbers and didn't really read the fine print. 100 million is nothing, right? That's just the fake big number that the agent throws out there to be like, look how much money I got my guy. That's not how much money they made. That's how much money they could potentially make if everything goes perfectly right. And both parties understand that. And both parties also understand that there are things that can come up. Injuries can happen. The team can, uh, the player can decide he's not going to play anymore. The team can decide to cut or trade the player. But all those details have certain structures in place in terms of if you do this, this is what happens. And you have to live with that because that's what the contract dictates. Everybody has to do exactly what the contract says. And you work within the details of the contract. Nobody is not honoring the contract. And so essentially when the Packers say, you will play, and Aaron Rodgers say, no, I won't, they're going to hold up the contract and say, well, we're going to honor the contract then. And according to this contract, if you're not going to play, then you give me back all the money, and you sit there, and you get paid nothing. And in that way, we will both be honoring the contract. Congratulations to you, sir. You win. You win this battle in which life goes on, the fans keep cheering, the team keeps playing, the Packers still have a quarterback, We recoup the money that you were supposed to be paid and you go on doing whatever it is you want to do. But the light, the world is going to keep spinning without you. That's just the reality. And if you think you're going to stop the world, if you're big enough to stop the world from revolving, you're about to learn a heck of a lesson. Again, I'm not saying that he can't stop it. I'm saying that needs to be the message that gets sent to Aaron Rodgers. You're not that big. You're not big enough to upheave this entire organization. I know you think you are. And I'm going to, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, we want you back. We hope you're going to be back. But the plan goes on as stated. Here is a deal that we can offer you if you're not interested. Then you can come back and play as it is. Otherwise, you're going to have to just sit out the season. I don't know what else to tell you. Well, I want to be traded. Well, I'm sorry. We're not going to do that. That's not uh, of interest to us. And again, as a fan, it makes me cringe because it's like, if he's not going to play, just give me the picks. But I get it because I want to be protected against guys like Devante or Bakhtiari or whoever might wake up one day and say, I don't like Green Bay, to simply realize all I have to do is walk in and say, I don't want to be here and I refuse to play and I get traded. We cannot allow that to be a thing. When, when our guys, guys like Brian Gutekunst, go out and find talent, we need to know that they're going to do right by finding the talent, developing the talent, paying them properly so that they are retained and we get them through the remainder of their career and the Packers have done a great job of that at least up until the point when it's probably time for them to hang up their cleats obviously Jordy went on and Cobb went on and everything else but it's not like we lost a whole lot of their their glory days I think when when we said goodbye to him it was pretty much the end of, of the career no offense to them but let's face facts here we don't need any other wrinkles where guys could possibly leave because one day they decide they want to go somewhere else. Maybe they just want to move. And this is just a simple What That is the simplest thing in the world to simply call up the GM or have your agent call up the GM and say, my guy will not play for your team anymore. Why don't you start working the phones? Okay. Can not set that precedent. And again, it is a precedent being set. And you're starting to see teams push back, right? Tom Brady didn't get dealt. He said he wanted out. Patriots... Said too bad. I mean, they didn't. They didn't resign him, but he was a free agent. Deshaun Watson, right? Uh, again, no chance. Matt Stafford did get dealt. Carson Wentz get, did get dealt, but I think both of those guys were on the way out. Right? It maybe wasn't exactly their timeline, but it's like, all right, that's. I don't care. All right, we got a new regime in in uh, Detroit, anyways, where it's like we are going to be getting our own guy. So who cares? Obviously not this year, but eventually we're going to be finding our own quarterback. If if you're going to be putting up a stink, then Godspeed to you. But it's gonna again. It's gonna be on our terms as a team if we decide that we're okay with that and we're able to make that work to our benefit and get the right compensation for Detro- Detroit. that meant getting golf for the Eagles. I mean, what's the point in even analyzing the Eagles? I don't think they know what they're doing over there anymore. But I mean, they got Jalen Hurts, which is a thing, I guess. So again, I, I just think that's where we're at, um, and I'm I'm just I'm more confident than ever that Rodgers is just not going to be playing this year. Again, the the only other real wrinkle here would be that Rodgers, realizing that he has no real leverage and is about to lose everything, and is really was just hoping that the Packers would bend and really, once they didn't, he's like, all right I guess I have to come back. Um, That would be the next most likely option And, and the most reasonable, because again, it's shocking to me that Aaron Rodgers would actually do this, because if the Packers are willing to go the distance, Rodgers is the one that really, really loses out. I mean, he's obviously made enough money to be set for life, but you know, a lot of these guys, its a, it, the amount of money you make is about respect. And the fact that, again, Aaron Rodgers got his last contract was a pretty big one. Not like even necessarily massive in today's money, but at the time, I guess it was fairly sizable. You know, now the going rate is probably into the 40s, but he's about to lose even a big portion of that, his last contract, and say goodbye to the, whatever the next contract is. That's that's partially like an ego blow. So, I, you know, I don't know, but... I'm, I'm definitely understanding the Packers' position, and again, the biggest thing that makes the most sense to me is you cannot set a precedent where players can just come in and say, I'm leaving, and then you just say, okay, fine, and you trade them. Can't do that, so why don't we go ahead and take a break? We'll shift gears. We won't have a super long second segment because it's already been going on for a while here, but uh, big, giant, massive shout-out to Mr. Drew Domelic jumping in on the Patreons. Thank you very, very much for your support. We are, what, 86 away, 86 patrons. If we get 86 more before the end of week one, I'll be giving away a Green Bay Packers ticket or some other cool stuff, whatever it is you want, I don't really care. You can also listen to these podcasts the night before they go live and completely ad-free over on Patreon if you decide to sign up, as well as being able to join on the uh, Patreon Discord if you're into that kind of stuff. So uh, it took me about three years, but I finally got a couple perks that you can utilize patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Please check it out. You can join for as little as a dollar a month and you get all the perks for just that much money. There's basically no reason not to do it except you just hate me or on principle don't pay for free things, which is understandable, but it's only a dollar. But we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance Keep your ride-or-die alive at eBayMotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase.
1: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment.
0: determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that learn more at marines.com
1: amari rogers clemson receiver to green bay i'm not kidding I'm, i'm a draft nut this might be my favorite pick this is flat perfect now Green Bay offensive coordinator, who is it? it's Mike LaFleur, comes from that McVay background, and an important part of that offense was the jet sweep. All right, so the quarterback's either under center or he's in the gun, but usually under center. And we're gonna have a receiver off the line of scrimmage. He's gonna come in motion behind that quarterback. And that motion is gonna pull second level defenders. It's gonna force safeties to rotate. When we snap the ball with that motion happening, we can play fake. We can fake a handoff to that receiver. We can then hand off to the running back. That receiver can block. We can fake the handoff to the running back, turn back around, throw it to the receiver. We have everything at our disposal with that jet sweep. It is one of the best agents of free offenses right now in the NFL. Last year, Green Bay did not have a good player for that role. They had Tyler Irvin out of Cal, who was a little running back wide receiver hybrid, got injured, signed Tavon Austin, a kick returner, running back wide receiver hybrid in free agency. Neither one of them was very high impact. Amari Rogers was the behind the line of scrimmage target for the, the Crimson Tigers coming out of that college offense. He's going to be so good, 5'10", 210, 5'10", 210, running back like build. He's gonna be so good at some of those underneath handoffs, some of those quick jet sweep touch passes. In terms of ball in hand ability, he's one of my favorite players. Is he a developed athlete? No. Is he a developed route runner? No. But the raw ability with the ball in his hand is reminiscent of Debo Samuel. Yes, Debo Samuel from San Francisco. And so, this guy is going to turn negative targets short targets into explosive gains it's easy offense for the best system to get free offense in the nfl
2: for those that don't know that is mr benjamin solak over at the draft network um you know they, they've got a lot of guys over there that do a lot of good work but i think it's pretty well known and understood that benjamin solak is kind of the guy at least in my opinion i mean he he's been kind of a uh, it's probably rude to call him the nerd over there because i mean he He literally is like, all the guys over there are like bros and he's kind of not one of them, but he's just, he's, he's incredibly smart and he, he just knows things on a different level. If anybody from the draft network were to go on and get hired by a team, I guarantee you, unless it was based on some kind of connections, it would be Benjamin Solak. So I've been hanging on to this video for a while. Um, I was pretty shocked when I found it. This is from May 1st. So this is a month old. But uh, to see Benjamin Solak, especially when the Packers are always getting trashed and and talked down to about uh, their picks and everything else, to hear him say this might have been his favorite pick in the entire draft, Amari Rodgers going to the Green Bay Packers, perfect scheme fit, everything about it is absolutely perfect. You know, Amari isn't necessarily perfect, but he's a fantastic player, and there is not a better offense. Granted, he said our head coach's name is Mike LaFleur, but it's an easy mistake to make. If he can name Tyler Irvin, I'm guessing it was just a slip to say Mike. I don't think it's that he doesn't know the guy's name. But um, it just gets you excited because, I mean, he, he can see clearly what we see. And it's always nice to hear other people say it, especially guys like Benjamin, who are smart guys, because you always wonder if you're being biased. You know, when I see things and the media's trash and the Packers and I look at it and go, I don't know, felt like a good pick to me. There's always that voice that's like, yeah, but maybe you're a biased, you know, person. I almost went places there. I shouldn't have gone <laughs> i'm a little hard on myself <laughs> maybe you're a biased person but uh, lots of reasons to get very very excited about this team and amari rogers is absolutely one of them and it, it there's just the, the confidence level i have in him there's, there's different things when you look at prospects there's you know when you look at stokes for me it's about upside he is sort of like jair this could be a bust but if he pans out the guy can just be a freak That's sort of how I felt about Kevin King. That's how I felt about Jair. That's how I felt about Savage. That's how I feel about Rashawn. The Packers generally pick a lot of those guys. They like the high RAS guys that are maybe raw or whatever the case may be. When I look at Josh Myers, I see a guy that I know is going to play. I don't exactly know what his ceiling is. It's kind of similar to Elton Jenkins. There's a confidence level that I think he's going to play. I think he's going to be a starter, and I think he's going to be good. I don't know if he's going to be great. Then you get guys like Amari Rogers where... My confidence level that he's going to be good is incredibly high. That doesn't necessarily mean elite. I'm not talking Devontae. But what I am saying is, and and it's probably unreasonable to have this much faith, but it just makes sense because, uh, as Benjamin here said, it's not all based on his ability. A lot of it is just his skill sets, even as a raw player mixed with what Matt LaFleur does, it's just going to make things happen. So, my confidence essentially is we're going to be able to bridge that gap between Devontae, who's the best in the NFL, and these other guys that just aren't quite up to snuff, that you like, and that in moments they're really good. Whether that be MVS, who has a game with like three catches for 547,000 yards and two touchdowns, or whether that's Alan Lazard, who had, uh, you know, four receptions, one touchdown, and blocked a guy into the stands. But, you know, then they disappear for three, four weeks at a time. Or same with Tunyon, whatever. I think we've got a guy that I think could be very similar to what we had in Randall Cobb. Not saying that that's the kind of guy that he is. I think there's some differences. But just a reliable target, right? It doesn't have to be anything flashy or special. It's just a guy that you like, that you respect, that can dig you out of a hole. And 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 just the fact that the Packers for years have been a team that has really struggled, especially since they lost Randall Cobb, or at least didn't get the same kind of production from him and the multiple wide receivers and all that other kind of stuff that they've had over time. But but it's it's been a team that really seems to have a hard time just kind of getting going, right? It's either working at you know wide open where everything's going great, but it, but it also tends to stall out a lot because if you don't, I mean, if if you again double up on Devontae and if the run game isn't working. And if some of your wide receiver, because because they're not just on a play to play basis, it's they might give you four or five really good plays a game as as, as receivers. But who's that guy? Like no matter what, he's going to be able to dig you out of that hole. Like if you're if you're going to play, you know, doubling up on um, Devontae, he's going to get us those. He's he's a jump starter, right? If if we're struggling to get the drive going, he's going to jump start that five yards. Even if whether it's behind the line of scrimmage where he's just going to be able to run for eight yards, just on a minus one-yard pass, or just what they used to do with, with uh, Randall Cobb all the time, which are just these quick slants that go for nine yards. But one way or another, we're not going to stall out, right? He might not get you those big plays, but we got the big play guy. We've seen Alan Lazard do it. We know Devontae can do it. We know MVS can do it. So we've got the guys that can do it in moments. And Devontae's a, an every-play kind of a guy, but he's the only one. He's the only one that's in every play kind of a guy, so if if he's having a bad day, if he's hurt, if he's struggling, that's when things tend to stall out. And so is it possible the guy just completely flames out and is a terrible football player and doesn't? Yeah, it's it's possible, but just these are my perceptions of these guys that we drafted. Again, first-round pick, Eric Stokes, real high upside, not really sure if that's going to take hold in year one. Josh Myers, I think he plays. I think he's decent. I don't know if he's Decent, good, great—what he is, I don't know. But I'm—I'm I'm confident he's going to play. He's going to be a starter, and that's—that's that's good enough for now. But Amari's just a guy that it's like he's just—it's sort of, I guess, similar to Dylan a little bit, even though last year obviously it was different because he didn't get a lot of playing time because there were so many guys in front of him. But it was one of those things where it's like you know this guy can run well, right? In this system, with this scheme, with everything that we do, with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, with the offensive line blocking as well as it does. I mean, if Jamal can close his eyes and get four yards, this guy's gonna be able to do some special stuff. He's got top end speed. He's the fastest running back we have, and he's one of the bigger running one of the bigger running backs in the NFL. He's 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 a freak like only Derrick Henry is, only possibly slightly more freaky. That's kind of how I feel about Amari, but even a little bit more so. Right with Dylan, it's like he he might kind of be a plotter and and might just kind of be a three yards and down kind of. I'm not really. I just don't have that feeling with Amari. And again, I'm not saying he's gonna be great. I just think he's going to do the job that he is being asked to do. And if if all that is is getting you those three, four, five yards, if he's a jet sweep guy, he's a wide receiver screen guy, he's a quick route and the slot guy, and then otherwise he gets occasionally like MVS, he's going to be able to streak down the field and get that one down the scene. Cool. I'm fine with that. Whatever it is, unless he just can't do it in the NFL, I'm going to be happy with. And I'm just glad he's here. And, and, And to be honest, just to have a guy that, picked the Packers as a team he'd like to go to, meaning he wants to be here. I mean, he's talented. He's the, he's the guy that we always wanted. He's simultaneously a slot guy and the jet sweep guy, and he's like a Debo Samuel, which is a guy, which is a more modern day NFL who are these big guys that are like running backs in space. He's like all these things melded into one. He's a perfect fit for the scheme. He's got a great attitude. He wants to be here. I just, I just, I really like him. I guess if we were to look at some of the other guys, Royce, I don't know <laughs> i i I actually as far as some of these other picks, and maybe it's just because he's a fourth round pick, I do feel more confident, but I'm talking about in terms of I think at the very least we get a decent backup. the fact that he can play tackle and guard, we potentially have a starter, but I also have confidence that he could be a backup. That's different than those six round picks where essentially I said hopefully they can be you know there's a slight chance we can get a starter, hopefully we get some good backups. I just don't want him to flame out. I feel like Royce will be able to do something. I just don't know what that is exactly. TJ Slayton, I've kind of talked about a lot, and so you kind of know where I'm at. But I guess it's slightly different than the other guys where I give him actually a very low ceiling, but a pretty, low, uh, pretty high floor. Now, in terms of high floor, I just mean I don't think he's going to be horrifically bad to the level of, no offense to him, but Montrevious. I think, at the very least, he'll be a decent run defender. That's not overly flattering, but considering a lot of these guys end up busting out a lot of these draft picks, that's not a terrible floor. To To just be slightly better than all the other guys so that you can come in on running downs and do your job slightly better than everybody else, I'm fine with that. As far as Gene Charles, I, look, he could be horrible. And and I don't even know why I like the guy so much, because we've drafted corners kind of later and safeties later and I basically just write him off instantly. Now, this is a fifth-round pick, but for some reason, I don't know what it is. It's the attitude, it's the demeanor, it's the hype around him, the fact that a lot of people like him. I mentioned before, I think the fact that he went to a small school and he's a smaller guy really pushed him down. But as far as his play, I don't think there's anything about him that uh, that isn't great. Also, I think it's because he's a slot guy. Slot guys necessarily fall down the draft. Necessarily. If you're just a slot guy, scrap the first round. It ain't happening. You could be the best slot corner in the NFL. You're not going in the first round. Unless they think they can kick you outside. I'm saying if if it's been determined you can't play outside, you will not get picked in the first round. You might not get picked in the second round. So a fifth round pick for a slot guy could be as early as like a fourth or even a third round pick um, for just ordinary corners. Also, the competition on the team isn't that high. So you know, I, I mean, he's got a, I would say he's a, a low ceiling, low floor guy, which doesn't sound great. But I think, I mean, it, it, what I mean by that is I doubt he's going to be Jair, right? That, that That's not even on my radar. And it's entirely possible he just flames out. He's a fifth round pick. He's undersized and he went to a really small school. But there's still a relative confidence that he's at least Chandon Sullivan, possibly an upgrade. And I like Chandon. So if all we're saying is worst-case scenario, he's not very good, and we keep Chandon, that's cool. If he's a slight Chandon upgrade, nice. <laughs> that's awesome. Cole Van Landon I mean, same as the six-round picks from last year. I would say, you know, not necessarily low ceiling. I think, you know, he plays for Wisconsin, which is a great program. He's a great offensive lineman out there. I think there's a, a decent ceiling for him. Um, I would just kind of drop the floor out a little bit. I, I I guess I have no expectations really, especially with the high amount of competition. But it's a high amount in terms of volume, not necessarily in terms of premier talent. We don't have a lot of elite guys that you look at and say, "Oh, they're not going anywhere." Right? We got three six-round picks last year. We've got guys like Lucas Patrick. We've got you know guys that were drafted this year. It's pretty wide open. Um, Isaiah McDuffie. I, I still don't have a massive amount of of. Uh logical reasons to like him outside of the fact that I watch those highlights and I I do need to watch more than just highlights. But as I've said before, I've watched a lot of highlights of guys, especially later round guys. And I watch it and go, this is your highlights. You're a terrible football player because (laughs) these are not even exciting. Isaiah has really, really good highlights. And I think he's just, he's just another late round swing at exactly, you know, the, the, the tie summers. It's a later round than Oren Birch, but it's that same prototype that we're looking for. Even Chris Barnes, I guess you could say, And they're just trying to find that guy who's got a little bit more shiftiness to him. He's not just a big block, you know, brick that's just going to smash into stuff. Ultimately don't have massive expectations, but I am going to kind of... It's actually similar to Gene Charles, I guess, in which the logical part of my brain says, you know this guy's not going anywhere, but something about him with me, I just really like him and I think he's got a shot. So the fan in me, this is where the, the fanalists are at battle over numerous picks. The finalist is more excited about Amari Rodgers than I should be. More excited about Shamar Jean Charles than I should be. More excited about Isaiah McDuffie than I should be. And Kylan Hill, I will never root against a running back ever. It's Just for whatever reason, whenever the Packers take a running back, I really like him, so I like Kylan Hill, and that's all there is to it. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just that I like running backs or the fact that you all, I mean, anytime you watch a college running back, it's like, he's pretty good. Because <laughs> yes, it's just, they're just, they they got highlights and stuff. You know, they do good stuff. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, to this day, there's guys that we drafted five years ago that I'd go to bat for. But I, I, I like the draft class. I really do. And I, I have I don't do this every year. I didn't really like last year's draft class at all. I actually ra- rather despised it. I came around to it, but I hated it. Was not a fan of Jordan Love. Was not a fan of A.J. Dillon. Was not a fan of Josiah DeGuara, Was I thought Kamal was one of the worst linebackers I'd watched in college football. Didn't like any of them <laughs> at all. But prior to the season, I came around to just about all of them except Kamal Martin. I just couldn't quite get there. But then he showed up in the regular season. It's like, all right, well, I guess I'm on board. And now I'm a proponent. I'm a fan. I'm one of the few that's banging the table for the guy. Whereas when I first watched them prior to the draft, it's like, that's I would never, ever draft that guy. But that's why I don't get drafted by a scouting department. So anyways, I need to get going to uh, the sleeping department. You folks have yourselves a fantastic whatever day it is. Should be Wednesday, I believe. Holidays always throw me, as if I'm already not enough thrown. But I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.